0: One of the things that I love about visiting churches of other faiths, particularly cathedrals specifically in the continent of Europe, is I love the relics that they have. I think one of my most favorite relics that I have ever seen in my life is located in a cathedral in the city of Valencia, Spain. And inside of this cathedral is the arm of Saint Somebody, but it's the right arm. However, if you look very closely, you can see it is a left arm. But I love that it says that it's the holy right arm of saint, whoever. A saint, in this instance, would be a person acknowledged as holy, virtuous, and or canonized, right? So like in the Catholic religion, you have Saint John and you have Saint Peter, and they have all of these really great holidays centered around these saints. However, saint in modern terms means someone who is virtuous, kind, or patient. So you and I... Many of us belong to the Church of the Latter-day Saints, indicating that we should be virtuous, kind, or patient. I'm going to totally own that I am still working on trying to become a saint. For example, patience. I will never forget going into an interview with my mission president. I, at the time, was serving as companion to a young lady who, I'll be honest, she had only a couple months left in her mission She had not conquered the Spanish language at all. And to be really candid, her Southern drawl from the United States was so deep, sometimes I didn't know what she was talking about in English. So I I really struggled. And so I went in to my mission president and I stated all the reasons why this particular companion should be transferred. Well, I no sooner stated all of that. My mission president looked at me, slid his chair back, and he said, Ramona Harrington, when I first met you, I knew that you didn't have a lot of patience. I'm here to teach you patience. You're going to continue to serve with her and others like her until you get a better understanding of what it means to be patient. Now, go get to work. Well, that was the beginning of me learning to become a saint. And I wish that I could say right now that I've gained that, but I think even my husband would say I have days when I lack on patience, days when I am clearly not kind. In fact, in the top 10 words to describe me, personally, I wouldn't even say that. I'm nice. My husband, he's really nice. I, however, not so much. And I continue to work on being virtuous. What I love about that definition of a saint is that Paul's epistle to the Romans provides us with numer- numerous ways, that's a fun word, numerous provides us with numerous ways we can become a true saint. Now, there are probably about, I bet you if you really dug in, you'd find at least 30 different things that you could do. But today, we're only going to have time to really talk about three of them. So, for the next few minutes, buckle up, and let's discuss three ways that you and I can become a true saint. Try to say that one fast. Become a true saint, become a true saint, become a true saint kind of tough. So to really understand to become a true saint, I want you to think about, do you want a really random experiment? <laughs> I love doing this. I love smiling at people in random places just to see what their reactions are. For example, I know that you have done this where you've ridden on an elevator and the elevator is completely quiet. Nobody wants to talk and everybody like looks to the floor, looks to the ceiling, looks straight ahead. and Because of the electronics that we have, we stare down at our phone and we try not to make eye contact. Or when you pass each other with carts in the grocery store, like, it's just crazy because we don't even, like, acknowledge that there's another person. Yesterday morning, I was actually uh, parking my car and there was a woman walking down my street. And rather than look at me, and I was going to smile at her, but rather than look at me, she actually looked the other way. And I was like, like staring at my neighbor's house. And clearly there was nothing at my neighbor's house to stare at because I had the exact same view. One of the things that I absolutely love, though, I drive a Jeep and the Jeepers have a two finger wave that they do. When I first got my Jeep, I was like, why the heck is everybody waving at me? And then I'm, now I'm like, yeah, and I love the two finger wave because it just makes me smile and it makes me happy. What happens to you when someone smiles at you? The reason I want you thinking about this is that the word smile actually has a dual meaning. And Romans 7 is going to help us understand that a little bit better. See, in Romans 7, verse number 14, we read, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I love that. Paul admits it. I am carnal. Now, another way to talk about this is King Benjamin and his big, amazing conference discourse said back in Mosiah 3.19, he says, for the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless, right? So here is Paul saying, hey, I'm carnal. King Benjamin saying, yep, natural man is an enemy. So what are we supposed to do about this? Well, if we look at Romans 7 verses 22 and 23 we get this for I delight in the law of God after the inward man but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members do you get what he's saying I delight in the law of God after the inward man your spirit wants to do the right thing but what happens? You war against yourself, warring against the law of my mind. So we have to do something with our minds. Second Nephi chapter 9, Nephi teaches us this. I love this. All my beloved brethren, remember the awfulness in transgressing against the Holy Ghost and also the awfulness of yielding to the enticings of that cunning one. Remember to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life eternal. Did you catch that smile? Spiritually minded is life eternal, S-M-I-L-E, smile. So, will you go and do exactly that? Will you go and smile more, both physically and spiritually? I know that as you do, it's going to impact and have a rippling effect on the people around you. I also know that as you are spiritually minded, it will have an amazing impact on you and how you see the world and how you interact with those around you. Because the reality is, I've seen a lot of this in my internet feed, a lot of references to if you knew the other person was going through, you'd be more patient, or all of us are carrying burdens, and the reality is, is all of us are. I'm sure each of you listening have had a time when you simply just couldn't see the light, that promised relief, or basically you'd lost hope that it was going to get any better. Two weeks ago, that was me. Some crazy things had happened at work, some other crazy things had happened in my personal life, and I... I was at the bottom. In fact, I looked at my husband and I said, Do you know what I really need? And he said, What? And I said, I need a parent. I need a parent that I can talk things through with, work my thoughts out, and really just figure this out. Now, both of my parents are deceased, and so my husband kindly said, Well, If your mom or your dad were here, what would they say? And I said, that's the problem. I didn't have these types of experiences when they were alive. I I didn't talk to them about these kinds of things. I I just don't know. Well, I thought I was kind of getting it all together and determined that I should call one of my siblings. That's the joy of being the youngest of eight. And so I called one of my siblings to get that parental support and the, the call went immediately to voicemail. And I was kind of devastated. And so then I just kind of sat there and I'm like, okay, well now who do I call? And so I called another and as soon as he answered the phone, I simply started to cry. I just cried. And I said, I just need a parent. I, I just need some help. I I just don't see my way through this. Now I was taught at a very early age that you shouldn't present a problem unless you can present some type of solution. So to his credit, this brother is on Team Bishop, and so he said, well, I've got to go give a priest a blessing, can I call you back? I said, sure. And I waited, and I waited. And later that night, he called me back, and he said, okay, now go over again with me what what, what the problem is. So I gave him the problem. He said, what do you see as the solution? And I gave him the solution. And he said, okay. I love that you've come up with the solution. And yes, I can help you with this solution. But before we do that, can I ask you to do two things tomorrow? And then he gave me two things that he wanted me to do. Well, I got off the phone and I went and I talked with my husband and he said, well, how'd the call go with your brother? And I said, well, this is what he said. He wants us to do these two things. And I need your help to do these two things. When he said, okay, well, we'll get up tomorrow and we'll do those Romans eight twenty four for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet have hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now, did you catch that? If I want to be a saint, I've got to be virtuous, kind, or patient. i have got to patiently wait for things. Hope saves us, but we've got to patiently wait for the things that we don't see. See, Alma calls it this uh, when he talks about faith in Alma 3221. He says, and now, as I said, concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, ye have faith if you hope for things which are not seen, but which are true. Well, I got up the next morning, and uh, I got to work. And as I got to work, I began to see different things unfold. Romans eight, twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Trust me. I groaned a lot in prayer that day and continue to. I'm I'm still praying and working my way through this particular thing. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Christ is searching our hearts and trying to help us. 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God. Now, notice he doesn't say, I I never gave you anything that you couldn't handle. Notice that he doesn't say, good job, I'm going to get you out of this with any scrapes or bruises but rather he says that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now I'd love to tell you that this issue is completely resolved but I'm going to own it. It's not. In fact it's probably going to take a long time. But I have hope. I have hope that I will come out stronger on the other side. I have hope that my relationship with my husband will continue to deepen. And I have hope about the things that I'm going to learn. So will you hold on to hope that things will get better? When it seems really dark, We hold on to hope? Hope that Christ has interceded for you. And I hope that all things, no matter what it is, that somehow God can make it work for your good. Because I testify that as we turn things over to him, he can. He really can. So will you hold to that hope? See, I hope for all of you that are of school age that this next year is amazing for you. I honestly can't imagine being in junior high or high school in the year 2023. And I do have somebody who's in junior high. I had the opportunity this, this last week to go Back to school shopping with my junior high student. And as it would be, there were a lot of individuals who were back to school shopping. And I don't know about you, but the first day of school outfit was like a big deal for me. Like, it was massive. Like, I needed the squeaky shoes that were like pristine white. And brands that I wanted to make sure that I was wearing back in the day, I wanted a... Banana Republic had these really cool t-shirts back in the the late, I'm going to own it, the late 80s. Reeboks, kangaroo shoes with the zip pockets. Dude, those things were pretty cool. I did know how to roll and peg my pants. So please know that I was doing that before many of you listening started doing that. Lots of neon colors. I had hair that stood up like two stories high. It was a big deal. Well, I was back to school shopping with my junior high student, and one of the things that I noticed in every store that we went into was the plethora of cargo pants. Y'all have some amazing cargo pants that are coming back into style, and as one who has rocked cargo pants for now, I don't know, three decades, I'm excited to see all the different cargo pants coming in. And I have to own that. I asked my daughter probably two or three times, Hey, do you like these cargo pants? How about these these cargo pants? Do you like these cargo pants? Do you like these cargo pants? I overheard other girls talking to their mom saying, hey, I got to get these cargo pants. Hey, I really like these cargo pants. And every time I asked my daughter if she wanted a pair of cargo pants, she responded the same way. No, no, no. In fact, she had gone shopping with a definite purpose. She knew what type of shoe she wanted. She knew what type of jeans she wanted. She knew what kind of shirt she wanted. And I don't know that she is consciously trying to do this, but she is an amazing example of the next thing that you and I can do to become a saint. See, in Romans 12, verses 1 through 3, we read this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which was a sacrifice ourselves. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly in that he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So what is my daughter doing? Well, Did you hear that? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I just straight up asked her, hey, do you need a pair of Air Jordans? Twitch responded, no. Do you not want cargo pants? Like all of these, like I bet you there were 20 different kinds of cargo pants in the six different stores we went into. Twitch responded, I have a pair of cargo pants at home. That's not what I want. Finally, she looked at me and she said, mom, I have my own style. I told you. My back-to-school outfit is going to be a pair of Vans, a pair of baggy jeans, and a solid black t-shirt. By the time we were done shopping, I had purchased her a pair of Vans, two pair of baggy jeans, because she really liked them, and a solid black t-shirt. That's what she wanted that's what we got her. See, she also understands, again, I don't believe this to be conscious, but she understands that second part of verse three, but to think soberly. See, when I think soberly, I have some self-mastery. I don't conform to the world. Why? Because I have self-mastery. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to work on some of my self-mastery. The self-mastery I'm currently working on is what items make it into my mouth and what items I leave behind. I'm not calling it a diet. It's it's not a diet. Rather, I'm trying to make conscious eating choices that show self-mastery. So why am I trying to do this? Well, because of Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. So, will you do that? Will you take your relationship with God a little more seriously and, and not conform to the world, but work on your own self-mastery? It can be something as simple as smiling and having more hope. See, there are lots of reasons why it's important to follow the counsel of Paul, and to really be working on becoming a saint. One of the other things that seems to happen as the school year starts is there's a whole lot of judging that goes on. You go to a class and you judge the teacher. You go to a class, we judge the other students sitting there in there in the classroom with you. You judge different groups that like things or have interests that are different than yours. We judge people, we judge situations, we judge movies. The reality is, is we're all judging. And we love to think in this day of social media and texting and all the things that we are independent. And that we can act independently. And what really cracks me up is oftentimes in our attempt to act independently, really all we're doing is in our attempt to be an individual, we're following the crowd. I'm going to be an individual, and then you dress the same way as everybody else. I'm just going to be an individual, and then you buy the same thing that everybody else buys, or you use the same words that everybody else uses, or you, you, want, you want to really be an individual? Don't follow the world. Because here's the reality. Romans fourteen seven. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. In the year 2023, that means we're not independent agents. Even though we think we are, what you say on a screen is going to be owned by you eternally. It really is. You can't escape that. So anything that you think that you're saying anonymously, you're not. Because there's these really cool things called IP addresses and a multiplicity of ways that you can be traced and connected to what you're saying. Eight and nine. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. Christ has made it possible for you and I to become saints. And then he gives us this. Fantastic warning. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at up thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now remember I told you to put on your seatbelt for this one. Did you catch what he just said? You and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now I don't know about you, but that gives me a little bit of trepidation, and trepidation is a really big word for saying yikes that can be a little scary. And so he tells us, well, here's what's going to happen when you come to that judgment seat. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some skeletons in my own personal closet that I do not want to have to pull out in front of God. Like I wouldn't even want to pull them out in front of my mother when they rear their ugly heads every now and then, I don't even want to pull them out to myself. And yet he's saying right here, what's going to happen? As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Why? So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You and I are going to have the opportunity to give an accounting of our lives, not just to Christ but to our loving Heavenly Father. I use the word loving because that's who he is to me. Just like my brother took that call, he listened, he counseled, he even made me feel better about the poor choices that I had made by stating, we've all been there. I've made some choices similar to that. I understand. I think often we forget that as God is, man may become. But as man is, God once was. God knows what it's like to live through a mortal life. But he sent his son Christ to mark the path and to help us to become saints. Remember, what's a saint? Well, I'm virtuous. I'm kind. And i patient. So will you become that? Will you go and become more saintly? Now, I've only offered you three. As you're studying Romans on your own, remember I told you there's probably like 30. For example, I don't know, Romans 13, eight, Oh, no man, anything but to love one another, and he that loveth one another has fulfilled the law. So maybe, maybe you're the one that, to be more saintly, you need a love. Or love work is no ill His neighbor. to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. I like this one, verse 11 of Romans 13. Awake out of sleep. It's time. It's time for you and I to awake out of sleep and to become latter-day saints. So will you go and become more saintly? By smiling, not just the big smile on your face. I hope you will walk down the halls of your school just smiling at people and saying hello. It is crazy to watch people's responses. But will you smile? But will you also smile spiritually because spiritually minded truly is life eternal? And if things start to get bleak and dark, will you go and hold to hope? Because hope leads us to faith, and faith leads us to answers and to Christ. And will you go and take your relationship with a loving Heavenly Father more seriously? Because through my own experiences, I know He wants to help you. We bear the name of Latter-day Saints. May we be more saintly. Go and do. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We would love it if you would leave us a review and click follow where you listen to your podcasts. We'd also appreciate hearing from you. Feel free to email us at Podcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram at goanddopodcast. The Go and Do Podcast is created by me, Ken Shoup, and produced by Cammie Fisher. We love having you follow along and look forward to hearing from you.